And uh, today, uh, the title of my message is called uh, Pardon the Interruption. Um, interruptions aren't necessarily uh, things that we look at in a positive manner, right? I mean, if, they, if, inter- inter- uh, if interruptions were positive, we'd just call them surprises, right? If it was something good, it would be like, oh, sweet, an interruption, a, a surprise. And um, the interruption thing never really became more real to me than after uh, Amanda and I had our first uh, child. Her name's Jalen. She, uh, she was, I don't know, she sort of disappeared. She was sitting right here. She's almost 15 years old now, and she's beautiful. And, and, uh, but uh, I remember when we brought her home, Okay, um, it was awesome because the baby thing was super, super easy, right? Because we had uh, Amanda's family. We had, uh, sure, I'll go ahead and take the water now. All right. Hey, don't worry about the, okay. <laughs> I had a plan with her to, to do something in the message with me, but she wasn't there when I looked down. And I was like, where did she go? But we'll, we'll just have to do it later. It was, uh, it was sort of an interruption <laughs> to what I wanted to do. Anyway, so I had Amanda's family here, had my parents there, and so anytime Jalen would cry in the middle of the night, I mean, grandma, grandpa, you know, they you know, ran to her bed, and we just slept, and it was great. And we were like, this is easy. I mean, everybody said that it's going to be difficult to have a child. Well, but when, when my parents left and Amanda's parents left and it was 2.30 in the morning the first time, we were really alone with beautiful little Jalen and, right? I didn't like that interruption. I was talking to Amanda about that just this morning. And I said, do you remember that? And we kind of looked at each other and we said, who has to get up? And Amanda was like, who has to get up? You never got up, right? I'm like, oh, man. But I want to talk to you this morning about interruptions that happen in our life that, that again, most of the time when we face an interruption in our life, it can, it can do a couple of things. Most of the time it brings some pain, some sorrow, or some frustration. Has anybody had their life interrupted in a way where you're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't like this. I don't want this. If you're taking notes, I'm a simple guy. I just have like three points today. And that's the first point. When your life is interrupted, it can cause pain, sorrow, and frustration. But see, we serve a God that is a God of interruptions. It reminds me of uh, Jesus was teaching and, and uh, the, 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 there were, you know, hundreds of people there and he was listening or they were listening to him teach and blind Bartimaeus. Anybody heard the story about blind Bartimaeus? Jesus was teaching and Bartimaeus all of a sudden interrupted and he said, hey, teacher, hey, prophet, hey, have mercy on me. I'm blind. I, I want to see. So Jesus, while he was interrupted, he walked over to blind Bartimaeus and he asked him again, what is it that you want? We talk about this a lot. I mean, he's blind. He obviously wanted to see, but he said, Jesus, I want to see. And I know that even though I'm blind, 
if I can just have an encounter with you, you'll change me. You'll step in and change everything. So blind Bartimaeus interrupted Jesus. And though he was teaching, after the interruption, that's when the real teaching began. That's when it was more than just Jesus saying words to a large audience or a large congregation or the, as the Bible calls it, the multitudes. The teaching really began when Jesus said, this is why I came. This is why I came so that you could say, I once was blind, but now, I'm, now I see. And I would say probably the vast majority of us have had that experience when we, we could say, I was once spiritually blind, but because Jesus stepped in and brought challenge and change into my life, I now can see. Jesus, again, he was teaching in that moment more than just words. He was saying, though you've interrupted me, I'm about to interrupt you and change your life. This morning, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And Chris, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to, I know you have that whole passage, and we'll just, we'll, I'm going to read it, uh, uh, the first few verses, and then we'll just keep it up there because I'm going to continue re, to refer to it. Mark chapter, 20, um, Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 26. It says this, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue uh, leaders named Jairus, let's stop there real quick. I'm from Georgia. We, I pronounce it Jairus. I don't know how you pronounce it, but anytime you hear Jairus, Evan, that, that means that guy right there, all right? <laughs> I had a neighbor named Jairus. Jairus Washington. And so that's how I grew up saying it. So if you're going to laugh, that's all right. Laugh now, get it out. But Jairus, all right. <laughs> then one of the synagogue leaders came. His name was Jairus. And, he, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Let's keep going. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large, a large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Let's stop right there. So here we go. We, Jesus is speaking once again, or he's actually crossing the lake, and, and you'll read this all throughout the New Testament. Jesus would oftentimes tell his disciples, let's go get away right? They've been ministering. They've been serving. Let's jump in the boat and let's get away. You know, Jesus believed in the Sabbath. He believed in there's time to rest. So this was one of those times, but oftentimes, more times than not, when you read throughout the New Testament, they jump in the boat and either it was quicker to walk around the lake or just the news passed that Jesus was heading that way, that when they would dock the boat, there was already a multitude waiting. And it doesn't necessarily say it in this passage, but it says it quite often that Jesus was moved with compassion. Though he was tired, though he was weary, though he wanted to rest, he saw the multitude. And, and there was another portion of scripture where it says he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to, to teach. 
And while he was talking to the multitudes, Jairus comes running up and he says, Teacher, my daughter is sick to the point where if you don't get there, if we don't get there quickly, she's going to die. And so Jesus, being moved with compassion, he begins to make his way through the multitudes and they head to the house of Jairus. But then we, 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 we read that as they're on their way, a woman who was subject to bleeding for 12 years came to Jesus and touched him, touched his clothing. Let's go, let's continue to read. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she only grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, If I could just touch his clothing, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Let's stop right there for a moment. So here's Jesus and Jairus trying to make their way to to the leader's house. And the woman comes up behind Jesus. Now here's here's something I want to focus on for a few moments. The Bible said that she had been... Subject to bleeding, she had been sick for 12 years. She was a woman of a great wealth, and she had spent all of her money going from doctor to doctor to doctor, but never finding any relief. Her life had been interrupted in such a way that she was like, something, I've got to find something that's going to satisfy the sickness, something that's going to bring me health. Something that's going to get me back to where, uh, you know, I, I can do the things that I used to do. And again, the Bible said she spent all of her money trying to get well. I want to talk to you this morning. I want to tell you this morning, when your life is interrupted, sometimes it brings uh, pain. Sometimes it brings sorrow. Sometimes it brings frustration. But I tell you what it always brings. It brings desperation. When your life is interrupted in such a way where you're like, I I need, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than the doctors. This is bigger than anything that I have. I I cannot beat this situation. I'm going to become desperate, desperate to do something maybe I've never done before so that I can uh, uh, bring healing or, 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 or uh, uh, you know, relief to this interruption in my life. But I want you to think about this lady. It took her 12 years to become desperate. Think about that. Well, you, say, well, you can say, well, no, she was, she was desperate. She was spending all of her money. Listen, she did the same thing for 12 years, and there was never any relief there was never any healing and finally she said if I could just find this man Jesus who who I've heard about and she realized I I don't even need him to know (laughs) I don't even need him to look at me and say anything if I could just touch his clothing I know that I would be healed so when, when interruptions happen in your life it brings pain and frustration but it also brings desperation Several of you raised your hand a few moments ago and said, I've been in those moments of interruption in my life. Some of you are there, maybe even now. My question is, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do to say, uh, uh, how, how willing are you to get desperate to say, I'll do something I've never done? Maybe I'll pray in a way I've never prayed. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll seek God in, in such a way. If I could just touch Jesus, I know this interruption will end. 
I said just a moment ago, uh, as the band was was worshiping, as the uh, you know as they do every week, and they do such a phenomenal job. There's moments when I come in here some Sundays, and and I say, if I could just touch Jesus with my worship today, if I could just encounter Him today. Listen, I, I'm not saying that every Sunday. It, you know what? There's a lot of Sundays where it, it's not about you. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of Sundays where you're just, hey, I'm coming because I, I, I believe we should all come together and I'm going to worship the Lord. But there's some Sundays, you know, where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to love the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to get together with, a, you know, my, my friends and family. We're going to go out to eat and do all those things. But there's some Sundays when you say, God, I need you to intervene in a way like you've never, never have before in my life. Some Sundays you say, Lord, I, I just need to touch you. I just need to touch you. So she said, I know that if I could just go and touch his clothing, I would be healed. I'm going to read from 27 again. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Let's continue to go. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? I love this. Verse 31 says, you see the people crowding against you, as disciples answered, and you can ask who touched me? There's a, uh, uh, it, it, uh, this story is recorded in another gospel, and Peter is like, what are you talking about, Jesus? everybody's touching you. And Jesus said, no, no, no. It's a different kind of, they're not just brushing against me. Somebody reached out with faith. Somebody reached out and touched me with faith. And and the Bible said that he felt the power or virtue going out from him to that person. And and so here's what what I want to say. The, the, The good thing is I'm simple. All right, I said I got three points, and my three points are about to be over. And you're like, awesome, we might get out of here early, right? First, the time, when, you, when, you, when you, uh, uh, your life is interrupted, it brings pain, it brings challenge, it brings frustration, it brings sorrow, but it also brings great desperation, right? The third and final thing, when you are faced with an interruption in your life, if you will allow it to, it will increase your faith. Because your desperation will cause you, again, maybe to pray like you've never prayed before and say, if I could just touch Jesus, I know everything is going to be all right. Does that mean everything's going to be perfect? No. Does that mean you'll never have a challenge again? No. Does that mean you'll never have an interruption again? No. I'll never forget the day that I received a phone call from my dad. We were uh, here in California. We were youth, youth pastoring at a small church in, in Santa Maria. Uh, it was our first few months back in California. So I was actually youth pastoring at a small church in Santa Maria, delivering paper, working at Vons, and uh, working out at Alisal Guest Ranch as well. I was like, I love California. Only only takes four jobs, and you can make ends meet. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. But I'll never forget, I was literally standing in the Vons Deli, all right? I was working in the Vons Deli, 
It's a little side note. When I got that job, they gave me 10 cents over minimum wage. I was like, awesome. I was sitting there, had my interview. I was sitting there with a a, a 19-year-old, incredible young man. And he said, hey, how do you get 10 cents above minimum wage? I said, because I'm 30. My life's been interrupted now. <laughs> but I was standing in the Vons Deli. And I uh, was standing there actually with the, the manager of the store. He had walked back and he said, hey, Jason, your dad's been trying to get a hold of you. And he's calling the store. And I'm like, my dad's in Atlanta. And he's calling a grocery store in California. And so immediately I'm gripped with why in the world is he trying to get a hold of me, you know. And so I go to the phone and, and, you know, my dad's a strong man, big six foot two, you know, just strong man, and, but I could hear the tears in his voice, you know. And he said, Jace, he said, uh, they've just rushed your mom to, to uh, the, the emergency room and they're doing an emergency open heart surgery. And you want to talk about a life interrupted, you know. And I, 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 you know, I immediately, I tell my boss, and I'm driving home, and, 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 and I'm like, what, Lord, what, what in the world? What, what do I do? How, what, I, you know, I don't understand. And, and you, know, I, you know, at that point, she was, she was in her early 60s, maybe late 50s. I can't, it, it's been a while, but, and I'm like, Lord, this isn't, this isn't right, you know. A few weeks later, after the surgery was already done, I was able to, to fly home and see her. And, but I'll never forget looking at, in, in the eyes of my dad when I, when I went to visit. And, and uh, you know, and he, he, he's looking at me and he, he's saying, man, I, 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 don't know, I don't know what I would do without your mom. You know? I don't know what I would do if the Lord would have taken her home. Uh, she's actually uh, in her early 70s now. She's doing wonderful. She's... Uh, uh, the cutest little four foot eleven. Uh, now y'all are putting it together. You're like six two four eleven five six one two fifty. There you go. I mean, um, but um, but I've had those moments, and in that moment of of interruption, you know, I, I begin to just Lord, she just needs she just needs to be touched by you. She just needs to have uh, another encounter with you uh, to the point where she'll, she'll never be the same and she'll, you'll bring her healing in her body. And, and all, as a family, our faith arose again. Our faith was, was uh, it, it, it was just like, Lord, we know that only you can take care of it, so I, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fear. I, I'm not going to, 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 you know, just try to carry this load on my own. Listen, when your life in, is interrupted and you try to carry the load on your own, it's only going to lead to more interruption. It's only going to lead to more disappointment. It's only going to lead to more pain. We have to, as the Bible says, cast all of our cares on him. Why? Because he cares for us. We've got to cast our cares on him. And so uh, the woman, verse 30, it says again, I'm going to read it again. At once Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched me? You see all the people crowding around you, his disciple answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? Let's continue. 
But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. When you encounter interruption, it causes your faith to arise. And when your faith arises, the God of interruption interrupts your pain. He interrupts your sickness. He interrupts your doubt. He interrupts your fear. He literally steps into your interruption. And he brings what you need. He brings you what you need. It wasn't his clothes that brought healing, was it? It wasn't the fact that she came up behind him and said, if I could just touch him. No, it, it wasn't the clothing. It was her faith. He said, she said, he said to her, go, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Let's continue on. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said this, your daughter is dead. They said, don't bother the teacher anymore. I want to stop right there for just a moment. Has anybody ever seen or experienced where you are in, you are in a, a, the point in your life where you're in the middle of that interruption, you're in the middle of your pain, you're in the middle of your frustration, and, and somebody else's needs are met? Somebody else's interruption has been solved, right? And yeah, you want to be happy for them, but most of the time, because we're human, aren't we like, but why not me? Why not me? There's people, I remember there was a young man, he's been my best friend since I was a junior in high school. His name's John Manitou. And I, I, I had the opportunity to lead John to the Lord when we were in uh, a junior in high school. He got called into ministry. I was called into ministry. We went off to Bible college together. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he, uh, he graduated. I ran out of money, and I was a year short of graduation. So I go back home to Atlanta, and, and I have, uh, my pastor comes to me and says, Jason, I want to interview, interview you for a job. And I'm like, awesome, I'm going to be a pastor. You know, this is great. And so the interview took place, and the interview was to be the, the janitor at the church. And it was awesome, and I took it. <laughs> It was great. In fact, I made more money as the janitor of my home church than I did my first youth pastor position. It was, that was really funny. It was awesome. But um, so, so I didn't get to graduate. And John, my friend that I led to the Lord, you know, he stays at school. He graduates. He immediately upon graduation, he gets hired as a full-time pastor down in Panama City. And he calls me excited, you know, and I'm like, that's awesome. And the next day I go into work and he's moving to Panama City to be a youth pastor. And I'm scrubbing toilets. And I, I told you last week, I'm not, I don't make things up that these things that I say really happen. And I, I was on my knees, not praying, but scrubbing the toilet, right? And I'm scrubbing the toilet and, and, and all of a sudden it hit me. I said, God, this is not fair. I am scrubbing a toilet while a guy that I led to the Lord. At that time, at that point, the Lord laughed. <laughs> right? But I was like, but Lord, Lord, this isn't fair. I led this guy to the Lord. Now he's a pastor and I'm a janitor. 
Have you ever felt that way where you're in the middle of your interruption and somebody else's need has been met and you're like, I'm glad for you, but I'm really sad for me, right? Well, that's exactly where Jairus was. And it said the servants came and they said, don't even bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter's dead. I'm sure in that moment for Jairus, he, he probably looked at Jesus and said something like, if we, if, we, if we weren't held up, if we weren't interrupted, if we could have just quickly made our way to the house, Jesus, I know, I know that my daughter would still be alive. And it reminds me of the passage that we would read later where, where Lazarus had been dead for four days. And his sisters said that to Jesus, if you would have just been here, if you would have just come to the house when we first called, our brother would still be alive. And he said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he could have said the same thing to Jairus. I am the resurrection and the life. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if, if you look at the situation and say this interruption is too big. It's too difficult. He said there's nothing too big that he can't step in. And there's nothing in your life that is dead that he can't resurrect. We talked about last week the dreams that God gives you and sometimes we go through circumstances where we feel like those dreams are dead but he would say I am the resurrection and the life. This morning I want you just to begin to, to, to don't worry about the person on your left or on your right. I want you just to begin to think what is it in my life that I need the Lord to step in and bring change in, to bring life in, to bring hope in. What is the thing in my life that I need to allow the Lord to make me desperate enough to say, increase my faith, increase uh, uh, my hunger, increase my drive to, to know you more? What is it today? So we find Jairus and he's deeply saddened. His daughter has passed away. Let's continue on. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Verse 39, he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? For the child is not dead, but she's just asleep. But they all laughed at him. Continue. After he had put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said this. I'm not going to be able to read that in Greek, but what it means is, little girl, get up. The Bible said she immediately got up, began to walk around. I love the portion here where it says, 
At this, they were completely astonished. Now let's go back. Yeah, at this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. First time I ever read this passage. And I got to that point, it said he had just raised her from the dead. And then he told them to give her something to eat. I was like, you know, I think dying really takes it out of you. She was hungry. This morning, I want you to understand this. That our God is a God of interruptions. That's really who he is. By definition and in his character. The reason I know this is that the Bible said that we had all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? The moment that Adam and Eve sinned against God, God began to unveil his plan of stepping in and interrupting time and eternity and saying, I'm going to wrap myself in the very flesh of my own creation I'm going to go down and I'm going to interrupt all the sin, all the pain all the failure all the death and I'm going to make a way through my son to bring hope again I'm going to make a way through my son to heal their desperation and to increase their faith. Reminds me of a story that I heard when I was just a little boy. Back during their, uh, the Depression, there was a, a lady, her and her husband had a farm, and it, I mean, it just, it was, it had, you know, fallen, you know, fallen into, they, they weren't making any money. I mean, everything was, was destroyed, and, and they, they had seven kids. So one day she was in town and she was walking in the, the uh, little general store and as she was looking around knowing I have no money to buy any food or supplies for my family, as she was walking out of the door, she saw a little basket of bread that said day-old bread. And so she went and she looked around and she grabbed a couple of pieces of the bread and made her way out the door and she felt that grip on her shoulder of the store owner and he was like what are you doing you're stealing from me yeah but sir I, I don't have any money to feed my family I have seven children and, and I, I, you know, I wouldn't steal but, I, I, but I, I, I don't have any way to feed them he drags her down to the courthouse and he takes her in front of the judge and he said this woman came and stole from me she stole this day old bread and by law, she has to pay for, 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 for that, uh, uh, that crime. The woman at this point, is, she's just in tears, tears and the, the old judge looks at her and says, Woman, is this true? She began to say, But, but, but your honor, I don't. he said, No, I, I don't need to hear an excuse. I just need to hear, is this true? She said, Yes, sir, I stole. 
And he said this. He said, well, the, the, the punishment for uh, being a thief, he said, is, is, is $20, $20 or 20 days in jail. She said, but your honor, I have seven kids and a husband. I can't afford to be gone for 20 days. And if I had $20, I would have bought the bread. He said, well, ma'am, I'm sorry. You're going to have to pay the penalty. At this, the store owner was just in the back kind of laughing, you know. <laughs> I got her. She'll never steal from me again. So the judge said, miss, he said, it's going to be $20 or 20 days in jail. And he banged his gavel. And then he did something peculiar. He took off his judge's robe. Walked down the steps and he laid $20 on the table. He marched back up, put on his robe, signifying he was a judge, and he said, Well, ma'am, it seems like somebody's paid your fine. You're free to go. At this, the store owner was irate. That's not fair. She deserves to to be in jail she deserves to pay a penalty and he simply looked at the store owner and said the price has been paid and that's exactly what our our savior did the word of god says this that the enemy the devil himself is the accuser of the brethren or the the accuser of you and i he is constantly and only trying to accuse us of the sins that we've committed and because of the judge, our heavenly judge, and he is our judge. He is our father. All, all, all the Lord says is, looks like the, the price has been paid. 